And then at that same time, like having all these things in my head, uh, health-wise, and then the, my company growing because I had an office here in Jacksonville downtown and I had 25 people reporting to me and I was living the dream, right? <laughs> and right, like pulling my hair out. Uh, and, and one day I was called to pick up the baby uh, and I was at a new client. And I was debating, do I pick him up? or do I stay here or what do I do? And I felt awful that I needed to decide between picking my baby or staying at a client because no parent should ever have to be put on that position for so many other reasons, so many reasons around that. And uh, at that point I decided and it become, became my mission and dress is 10, it's gonna be 10 in January soon. In, in January next year, uh, he the mission, my mission became that no parent should ever be in the position to to choose between work or family because of how you are going to be perceived, and that no parent should be judged for the decisions that they make in front of the in, in their workplace. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth, with the Scale Your Course podcast. In today's episode, I get to introduce you to Karam Miasis. She is a productivity consultant and business strategist who for the past two decades, two decades, has been helping business owners turn their companies around from bankruptcy to profit. Her specialties in project management and finding new sources of revenue help her transform her consulting practices to 100% online in 2014. She's also the creator of Idea to Profit Online Academy, host of the Life Boss podcast, and award-winning author that teaches creative family business owners to launch their businesses from their garages and kitchen tables while enjoying life. I invited Karam to talk to us today about how we can get more productivity and flow in our day-to-day lives. Whether that be business or personal, you're sure to be able to see how some of the tips that she shares are going to be very simple yet important, almost critically important things for us to be doing if we really want to be moving that needle forward while also protecting our own time and energy. There's going to be some things said here that really are going to make you think. I can guarantee it. Let's get started. Hey, Karam. I'm so happy to have you here today. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm so happy to be here sharing space with you. It is a real treasure for me to have you with us. I've been listening to your podcast and actually interacting with you a little bit here and there in Member Vault's community and watching your Instagram feed with the amazing things you're doing with exercise. Like I just amazed at the things that you're showing us all that you're putting your time and energy and effort into and 
it really puts me to shame because that's something that I'm not super great at is actually getting that physical activity in. Um, but I've been excited about this conversation because, you know, I know sometimes um, social media can be deceiving, but you definitely look like someone who, you know, you look after yourself, you've got clients, you've got young children, and you really look like you have it all together. And um, I'm just excited to talk to you today because you are going to be sharing with us some of your best tips on how we can actually create our perfect week. And for scaling entrepreneurs, that is a challenge. It's a challenge. It's still a challenge to me. I'm like an eternal student. <laughs> I'm a teacher, but I'm an eternal student of the craft because I enjoy so much my freedom <laughs> that you would think uh, that, oh, I don't want to deal with that schedule because we want to be free. But one thing I learned probably because of my parents were like, oh, really annoying. Uh, <laughs> they, I just want, wanted to have everything ready for them so that I can do my stuff. I, I value, I, I, I value that so early on that as long as I have all that I'm supposed to have done ready and like I could tell them where things were on the phone that I would have more space and freedom for myself so always a schedule meant for me freedom which is a little bit contradictory in the creative mind yeah it is isn't it so tell me a little bit more about how you got started in your business Oh my gosh, I'm an entrepreneur by blood, I think. <laughs> uh, in my house, uh, instead of talking about baseball or football, they talked about business. So I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I have to be very honest about it. I have amazing mentors in my family. Like they are my family, like my father, my mom on course, they were, we are so competitive. Uh, it's about what everybody's doing to make money or uh, to get more organized or the vacations they take. So it's very competitive. Um, and in a way, it got me a little bit crazy because I got into this doing, 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 doing that I kept uh, doing. So I was <laughs> raised basically a workaholic. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if yeah, uh, if, if that's a thing, it's not like I am or God. I guess I was trained just to just be working because that's the way that my family bonds, and uh, I got into that because I again I love freedom, and I don't think I am employable. <laughs> I was at some point, but uh, I don't like people telling me what to do in a sense of punching and clocking in and out or having some somebody breathing down my neck. Like the more I have that pressure, the less productive I, I am, if it makes any sense. <laughs> makes total sense. Actually, I was just thinking about a little conversation I had with one of my children. He's 23. He's actually got the entrepreneurial spirit right now trying to, well, he has started a business and, you know, he went from being sort of a teenager that liked to laze around and kind of do his own thing and not necessarily, you know, be where he was supposed to be and do all the things to someone who's definitely showing some drive and ambition and commitment to the process. And one of the things that he said to me the other day was, 
I don't have a choice, mom. It's in me now. I've watched you and dad for years. And while my husband's not an entrepreneur, he definitely has, you know, leadership qualities. He's a manager. He works long hours. And myself as well have always juggled multiple jobs. And certainly now I'm very open about trying to really position myself in the entrepreneurial space online that, you know, it made clear sense to me, like what you were saying. And he said the same, like when you see it, you learn it, you, you know, it becomes part of who you are. Yes. And actually my first, first business, like was to, uh, sew and create dance skirts because uh, I grew up in Puerto Rico and uh, what we saw on TV, we didn't have that. It was, plus if you found it, it was extremely expensive, like ridiculous. So uh, I, I learned to sew with my grandma to make the skirts for myself. And then my, uh, my, <clears throat> my friends started to ask me, about about them and I said oh there's something here so uh that's how how it all started and I made uh dance skirts and scrunchies <laughs> I think uh probably three or four years so it's always been there plus it's fun being an entrepreneur uh, it's a journey of creation and I think that is the 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 most because I if I could have been I would have been an interior designer <laughs> I am very artistic, but that was not allowed. When I grew up, uh, it was either you have to be a doctor, an attorney, and an engineer. I started as an, an engineering, and then I switched in accounting, and my father said, well, at least you have to be a CPA. <laughs> <laughs> at least. <laughs> I, and that was like in the lower tier. So uh, the programming that I had was very very hard <laughs> very much laid out those expectations didn't they <laughs> yes <laughs> well it certainly seems to have served you well because you seem to be quite you know happy in your zone and you know being able to sort of create your own destiny and and also you know have this sort of workflow that allows you to balance i'm sure there's probably some days that are still really challenging. I mean, any time you have a family and you're trying to balance all those things, there's always things that kind of get in the way. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about your perfect week flow. How do you get one of those? Because honestly, I think for me, you know, I am, a, I, I work, I have a nine to five job. Plus I have my business and my family and probably and, 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 right? Like many people. And this is one of the things that I'm working on right now is trying to figure out how I can use the flow, this idea of choosing when and how long to spend on tasks. I think how long to spend on tasks is one of my biggest challenges, but I'd love to hear sort of like where your advice comes in on this perfect week flow. Yeah. So like every good story, like the hero story, there's always like a, a low point in your life where you have to get your thing together. <laughs> and for me, it was when my third child, my baby was five months and I didn't have any flow. I was working, working, working and with undress 
I didn't have maternity leave. I hid my pregnancy. None of my clients knew I was pregnant almost until after I was, I told the doctor, you have to induce me on a Friday so that I can keep working on uh, Monday. And I didn't even breastfeed him. Oh, wow. Making a story long short that definitely got me into postpartum depression. I was very, uh, not only that I was overweight, but I, I think at this point that I was very inflamed. And I, uh, on my, my checkup to the doctor when, when uh, he was like four months old, I was ordered pre-diabetic. And then at that same time, like having all these things in my head, uh, health-wise, and then the, my company growing because I had an office here in Jacksonville downtown and I had 25 people reporting to me and I was living the dream, right? <laughs> and right, like pulling my hair out. Uh, and, and one day I was called to pick up the baby uh, and I was at a new client. And I was debating, do I pick him up? or do I stay here or what do I do and I felt awful that I needed to decide between picking my baby or staying at a client because no parent should ever have to be put on that position for so many other reasons so many reasons around that and uh, at that point I decided and it become, became my mission and dress is it's going to be 10 in January soon in, in January next year, uh, he, the, my mission became that no parent should ever be in the position to, to choose between work or family because of how you are going to be perceived. And that nobody should be judged for the decisions that they make in front of the, in, in their workplace. So finding a way for me to be the professional that I wanted to be because I am not a playground mom, great for that. And I'm never gonna be homeschooling mom and great for those that choose to do that. But that's not me, I try it and I'm telling you, it's not me. <laughs> so um, I said, no, I need to find something that works for me. And in finding that, that worked for me because I was used to work around the clock until something was done. And I was not gonna take a break until certain thing happened. And there was always the later or the mentality, I say, uh, the more mentality. When I'm gonna, I need to get more and more and more and more and doing more and more so that I feel more. And you never feel more. You are always waiting for something that's gonna happen later. And I, and probably because I come from process improvement and optimization and analyzing what's happening, I had to apply all that to myself to see what the heck is happening with me because not even the psychologist knew. <laughs> and I felt that I was wasting time there. So I said, well, I need to take myself as my biggest VIP client and apply it to myself. And the one thing that I had to start decluttering and deciding with the things that I didn't want to be the best at. What things I am not gonna be the best at. I don't want to be the best housemaker. 
<laughs> I do not want to be the best laundry folder. <laughs> I don't want to be. And you go to that road. What, what are the things that you don't want to get more training to be better at? Great what are, strategy. Yeah. So, so what are those things that you don't, because this is uh, what, that one of the myths around uh, productivity and uh, all productivity gurus talk about is that you don't have to be perfect at everything. We have this sense that everything you do has to be in the best shape. And no, and, and it probably comes from our education, particularly if you uh, went to college and took some uh, business class, any business class, they would take you to the SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And every single class, in the 90s and in the starting uh, 2000, were all emphasized, all those type of strategy classes and business classes about, okay, so look at your weakness and your threats and how can you turn them around? So in this exercise of me looking at myself, I'm like, I cannot keep focusing on those. I need to focus on my strength and the opportunities. Love because it. I can I cannot control any of the other thing, and and that's a way that 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 I somehow I don't know because the universe started acting very um, synchronistically, and at the time I didn't believe in any of that juju stuff, but now I kind of do because it the the path has been shown. The, the at that time I discovered a book called uh, Blue Ocean, and if you are in business, if you are starting, if you are even thinking about having an MBA to get, get blue ocean, it will give you the shortcut <laughs> to it. And again, what are the things that you want to do? Does it make sense? Makes total sense. I, you know, I think we all have this idealistic view that we have to be everything, be everywhere and be, everything to everyone and do it without faults or errors or whatever. And it's just not an ideal that we can actually um, aspire to and stay healthy and happy. So I think you've made a really good point here about really just focusing on the things that have the most meaning in your life and um, I'm anxious to hear a little bit more about what you did next. Yes. And then uh, it's, we have been preconditioned that there are not enough hours in the day. My mom used to say it. My dad used to say it. You have to maximize your time. There are no more time. It was always a rush. And, and everybody around us, they're always complaining that they do not have time. So I uh, come to believe that if, I mean, look around you, because uh, when our, where our focus goes, energy flows, right? And there's nothing uh, more, like Dr. Sue says, truer than true, <laughs> than uh, that, that, because if you want to find, especially nowadays with technology and, inter and the internet, it doesn't matter what question you have, you're gonna find an answer with whatever question positive or negative. Again, focus on the positive. There are time, there's enough time in your day to do what you have to do. 
there is. The fact is that, no, there's not enough time. There are the operas and the back show operas and the Darren Hardys of the world that have shown you that there is enough time. Now, there's no time for you to BSing and entertaining <laughs> things that do not serve you. Because at the end of the day, uh, when we leave this plane, I don't think anybody, and actually I have, actually, I have done research on this and finding uh, uh, books and, and stories, what people say at the end of their life. And I haven't found anybody or anything written, and I'm very nerdy about books, saying that I wish I would have uh, worked more. So at the end of the day, what is it that you, that you really, really want? And then you are going to be able to carve time for that. And then the hack in there is what are the things that are not going to get done? And you need to learn to live with that because there's a consequence to any action. So are you okay on the things that are not going to get done? Totally makes sense. This is really empowering too. I've been doing a lot of thinking myself, you know, as someone who's growing and scaling a business kind of simultaneously and, you know, balancing other employment and, you know, also not wanting to create another job for myself that is a 50, 60 hour a week job, right? So it's, it's understanding what freedom looks like and feels like to me and making sure that I'm not just going to be trading one opportunity that is sort of draining me for another. Yeah, and, and it is a very high level concept uh, because we're like creating a framework here. But if we take it down to the earth level, what does that mean? That, that, that means that if, as course creators, for example, and I had uh, several discussions between last week and today about this, we cannot have in the mind that we are losing opportunities and that's why we are creating another course. We should keep ourselves in our zone of genius and maximize the one <laughs> and be recognized for the one because all of the sudden we start creating other things without analyzing what is the impact of that course that we are creating because there's a whole system behind it and the more systems and the more pieces you put in your engine the more maintenance and time from you is going to require Ooh, i love that analogy of the engine yeah, yeah. that's great so when we are going and say, okay, so I don't have, uh, you have all the time in the world to create one course and stay focused on that one thing. And then deciding what is the, all the courses and all the ideas, because once we start creating one course, we start creating like all the ideas start popping. Oh, I should do that. I should include that. And in your training, Tracy, you uh, explain like brilliantly, like the simpler you keep it, the best because you don't want to overwhelm people. But then uh, I have found that we as the creator keep adding stuff because we have so many ideas and we want to give it all. 
and we are all givers, empowerers, and we want to give all the knowledge and all of the sudden you get there, it's like, wow, this is too much <laughs> for the people that is receiving it. So uh, uh, when I am creating a course, uh, and what you made me see, actually, from those ideas, I created another course that I'm working on, uh, it's create, uh, have a binder. I have a binder, like actual physical binder for the course that I am creating or the program or even the webinar. And then I always have uh, pages that I put in with ideas. And that way you trick your brain into thinking that it's taken care of. You are not going to forget it, forget them because they are in there. And you, it's going to allow you to go back to focus into what you are doing. Focus is such a hard thing because there's so many shiny objects out there in the world that can cause us to really just feel like our attention and time is really divided. So I really like that strategy. I use a lot of technology and I've actually been thinking as much as I think it's helping me, I have been considering the fact that it's actually more of a drain, right? Trying to find the, find the documents that I have. Did I actually save that somewhere? And, you know, you mentioning like the tried and true tested binder, it's, it's physical, you can touch it, you can quickly like scan and skim pages and turn pages. Um, I'm actually just listening to you right now was kind of an aha for me that I probably would really benefit from going back to that. It almost feels like, you know, why do I need a binder when I can just create a Google Doc, but or multiple Google Docs, but yeah, I think the binder yeah, but is what, a, what happens is because I am pro technology. I'm like a, a nerd <laughs> and I love my folders and my document management system and finding things. But at the same time, as soon as I'm in front of the screen and I have to go to certain place to find a document, I get so distracted just by looking at the folders. Not even if I'm going, even just going to the Dropbox and seeing the folders and I'm like, okay, I'm, I need this little piece for, for this. But in that, in, in that part of outlining the content, I do rely on my, uh, on my binder and it is like a three inch binder. Like it's not, and it has a lot of things and a lot of posted, but more than uh, having cre creating more waste <laughs> and uh, and another thing to do, it's just for the sake of staying focused. And that's why also one, one thing that I the, that I have uh, actually uh, my sister gave me a, uh, a gift on Christmas to it's a clipboard. And I think the kids made it, they put, uh, this is where my awesome lists go. <laughs> because they have, noticed that, that they have noticed that I have a checklist for everything. <laughs> it takes your uh, brain space open for what you are working on. It, it gives you bandwidth to work. As I was listening to you talking too, I was thinking about, you know, even some of the client work that I do, you know, I'm helping people create their curriculums. And sometimes that requires me to put their workbooks together for them and do some of the 
um, creation side of things as well, depending on who I'm working with and what we're working on. And, you know, we can end up with six or seven different documents that we're working on. And sometimes it just doesn't always feel like we're doing a lot until you actually like open the documents up and you start scrolling through. But I could see printing them, putting them in a book and really just being able to say, this is what, this is what we've accomplished together. Um, because when you see it all in one sort of space, like a three inch binder, or maybe two inch for me, three inches, <laughs> a little bit big. Um, I think there's just something about being able to measure your progress with that, I think is what I'm trying to say. Would you agree with that? It, it does help in that sense because we see it, particularly if you're a visual person, people that are very uh, uh, creative, like artists and photographers, her, uh, her designers, makeup artists, that, uh, they need a visual. We are more, uh, and depending on your style, if you are the learning style that you like to look at stuff, this will help you feel like, oh, I did something today. <laughs> it's not just like fluff. Uh, and then the uh, the other thing that uh, another big myth in the process of finding what works for you is asking for help. Oh. We think that like the myth of the superwoman and that you have to do everything and you that we are the one that carries the weight of the world on our shoulders, and that's a myth. Like nobody has the strength to carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. That's impossible. It's absolutely like, no, it can't. And, and, and <clears throat> particularly if you uh, have been raised like me, Catholic, Latin woman, <laughs> there's a lot of guilt and shame about everything that we do. <laughs> so uh, I had to work really hard on uh, asking, asking for help and asking for help uh, to the right people. Uh, many, many times the, the, the right advice, health, accountability is not in our circle. And, and this is something that I've learned through the years in, uh, because I want to help everybody. And realizing that my family and my friends are not my market. Are not my market to service <laughs> and most of them are not the market that I will go for advice. It's few people, not everybody, not your thousand Facebook friends, your 500 contacts in WhatsApp. Like, no, everybody's in their, uh, in their own journey and it's very, very important to get advice from the right people because at the end it's going to save you so much headache and time and, and money. Yeah. I heard this recently too. Someone else was saying to me, one of my clients was talking about this idea of choosing your person for different parts of your life. So, you know, if it is business, like choose somebody who you, for a period of time anyways, that you really want to learn from and just focus on that one message, that one person, their strategies. And then you can change your person at some point in time, but that allows you to not be getting all kinds of messages around sort of the same problem that you're trying to solve and then feeling really overwhelmed by the possible solutions, which may very well have worked for each of them, but very differently. So aligning, picking one to align yourself with and testing that out and really 
focusing on that. And, you know, if you have someone who is you're interested in following for fitness and someone who you're interested in following for parenting, like just choose your people and try not to be doing a lot of overlap. And I thought that that might be also a strategy that I'd like to try. Always, I'm a consumer of information and I have more things coming in my inbox than I can really would like to admit that a lot of times I don't have time to look at it all. So it's really just making conscious choices, I think is, is what you're saying and, you know, really li- eliminating all of those distractions. Yes. And that, that reminds me uh, a quote I read somewhere. I don't even know who or where or when it was, but it stuck with me that it's not the amount of books that you read on a year, but how many times do you read the same book and apply it? Oh, good one. And yeah, and that, that uh, some time ago, and, and since then, I uh, debunk this myth that, oh, successful people read 52 books in a year or something like that, or at least 12 per year. And uh, in this season, like this year, I'd be very conscious of going back to books that I really have enjoyed and that I remember for for something and reading them in the morning. I I usually do that after working out because I'm on a high, like the endorphins is like my my drug. And after uh, working out, I put a timer, I read 10 minutes and then I do a reflection of five to 10 minutes on that, on what I read. Like, how can I apply it? How can I teach it? And how can I remember it? So those three things uh, uh, helped me to stay centered because things are gonna happen, life happens, things do not go according to plan. Uh, and any part of finding your your flow is finding that one thing, one, one habit, that is going to allow you to go back to center faster every time that you feel on balance. So true. And I think part of it is recognizing when you're unbalanced, right? And what that looks and feels like for you, because that might be different for other people. Yeah, but the the more you do the exercise, the, the more you are aware. And then when you enter in awareness and you you do it faster. Like I could cry for something. I don't know for, oh, this is common. Uh, <laughs> I could cry for a bad comment for somebody. There's so many trolls and mean people. I don't anymore because I come to realize with a lot of exercise, like why is this triggering me? Why is this happening? And then you start to be aware that, well, this is not my journey. This is their journey and their issue. <laughs> Poor them that they are going through this right now. Uh, so, so is that part of being aware? Aware, entering in a, into awareness to self-correct faster and faster every time so that you do not stall your progress or your process in any facet of your life for that matter. What's coming up for me too is what you're talking about is, you know, we have these to-dos, these things we have to get done. We've also got, 
you know, information that's coming at us that we want to have our attention to. But then we also have feelings that are coming up based on situations or experience that we're having that we have to contend with. So it's a wonder uh, that we actually get anything done. So I'd love to know, like, if you had to give someone like your best productivity tip, what would that be? To keep an inventory of your daily time. Instead of uh, probably every woman out there know what is my fitness pal. <laughs> it is an app to log everything that you eat and your activity to enter into awareness into where is it that you are uh, not doing that great and what can you improve. So <clears throat> one thing that I do that I give my, my clients like every single time, it doesn't matter how advanced they tell me that they are, is that for two weeks they need to take inventory of what they do for two weeks, everything. And what usually happens in those two weeks is two things always. In, I would say, 17 years that I have been given, because I started giving this to the people that work, uh, that I supervise. Uh, two things come. One is things that you are doing to mind numb yourself for something. And another thing is that boundaries that you need to create. And like you said, there's the internal journey and the shatter that stores the process and the things that we need to do. And the other thing is the people around us <laughs> that we need to create a system to handle the communications. So what are going to be your standard oper operating procedures <laughs> to deal with your family. We have uh, family policies, which I have taped. There are only 10 things that everybody, any, anytime my kids are growing and they, they, they are smarty pants, I say, go, go to the fridge and check which one is it that we are not agreeing because I'm getting bored of saying the same thing over and over. I tell them, aren't you getting bored? Because I get bored when I like repeating myself uh, so much. So I think that's uh, where it starts. It's being aware of where are you spending your time and why. Why? And uh, this is where the, the term, I don't know, I think I invented the term. If somebody else said it before, but I've always said, that one thing is planning and another one is procrastinate planning. Procrastinate plan. Yeah. Like you use the process of planning to avoid actually doing what you have to do. Ah, yes. I think I have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all do because in our head or our plans are perfect. They are unicorns and rainbows. And they look beautiful. It's like clay, right? You have this beautiful uh, image of, um, I, I have one, uh, this is an audio, but I have an owl behind me. And that owl, that beautiful owl, there are two. One is messy one, and the other one is kind of decent. In my head, that owl was spectacular. Once I got the clay, 
oh my gosh, I wanted to cry and run away because I was not perfect at this. <laughs> and uh, I messed it up. I was doing it with my uh, nine-year-old. And they said, Mom, but this is so beautiful. Let's do it. And I'm going with the flow with him. He said, yeah, let me just do another one. And then I did another one. And then the ugly one and the beautiful one are there because for Andres, both of them, I did it. And for him, it was perfect. What a lesson, right? And we have to uh, stop at some point. You need to stop planning because planning is to assess your risk and be prepared to whatever is messed up. But something is always going to be messed up and you have to race to the occasion. So you might as well go out there, put yourself out there, do the thing, do the course, do uh, uh throw that page to be in that podcast do whatever you need to do because once you do it that's over and then you can learn and move on and if it was perfect you were too late if you go and you build that course and it was like a smack down and you don't have any problem probably you were like five years too late to start making money <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, it would be probably really eye-opening to do that time log, I guess you would call it. I've actually been encouraged to do that before, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do it because I'm afraid what I might learn about myself. And then I'm going to be forced to make decisions. So once you get this time log put together, do you have any tips on how do you sort of pick and choose between what you do next? Do you, do you start crossing things off as unimportant or... How would you go about that? When, okay, first you're going to discover, this is something very interesting. When you uh, discover, for example, that you spend too much time answering the phone on demand to your friend, to your sister, to your mom, or that you are spending, because some are easy like that, uh, that you are watching ridiculously amount of Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu or whatever you're watching, and that you are spending this much time in social media, you can easily, out of those, in average, people get back four to 10 hours a week. Four that, to 10 hours a week. That's uh, a lot of time. And that's a lot. Those, those, and those are easy. easy those are easy fix. Uh, they are, well, let's say that they are simple. <laughs> uh, for some people, it's easier. For other ones, it's hard. But they are simple to... Uh, to fix and then uh once you do that then you create have this canva of uh of time available and then create a brain dump of all the things that you want to do that are not chores that are not uh appointments that things that you really really need to do because with list, uh, doing a uh, to-do list, I've uh, always catch people putting in the list that I need. they need to do laundry, they have to pick up the kids, uh, I have a birthday to plan, or things like that. That has nothing to do with you moving forward as a human being on this planet. <laughs> so uh, keep your brain dump for the, for the things that you keep postponing. And, and like you said, Tracy, that's a scary process because it's taking accountability and eliminating those, all the excuses. 
And like, I, I was gonna put on my Facebook group the other day, but again, I have my uh, uh, parking lot list of ideas that I have. And I ended up leaving it for later, but there's an important conversation that, that uh, have to happen in, in social media is uh, up to what point are you using this as a band-aid or an excuse to not do the real thing? Because if you know what is gonna grow your, your business or your exposure, it's to go and pitch and be on other people's platform, the freebie that you have is fine. The beta course that you have is fine. You need people. <laughs> so why, if you know that posting is not going anywhere, why we keep postponing and going and being out there and talking to real human beings? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Knowing what's working is probably the most important thing that you can potentially focus on and stop trying to do all the things and just focus on things that are actually going to yield you the results to whatever goal, whether that be lead generation in your business, whether that be even you know, around finding time to spend with your family and friends. I think that's one of the things I need to do is do less work and more play, right? And finding holes for that feels really impossible some days, but I'm sure if I did one of your time audits, then it would be uh, probably an eye-opening experience. It, it, it always is. I have a, a one-page weekly productivity upload is how I call it. It's like uploading that productivity. And in and, and that, the, the first step is for you to write everything that you have to do. And, and you can print out any planner in Word or um, Google Sheet, any template. And then on the, as long as it, it has all the hours and the days and, and you use those blocks to put in any commitment that you have, your work, picking up the kids, the doctor's appointment, anything that is fixed that you are going to pay if you go or if you do not go. <laughs> and looking at that, just your fixed commitments, the, the appointments with your clients that you have, you are going to visually see how much time you really have available. And I have done this exercise probably to the thousands of people that have gone through this exercise. And I haven't found one person that has so many things in that calendar that that nothing fits after they are done. And after that, then from the brain dump that you did of the things that you really want to do, then schedule them because you're gonna have to find the time. And once you uh, schedule those, what I encourage you is to put buffer time because many times you want to fill out every single square. <laughs> But you have to put buffer time because things happen. And especially like uh, when I have uh, clients or when I have interviews, I leave like one hour before and one hour after because I need to recharge myself. And then once you are done with that process, it will allow you to see, uh, especially if you did the time inventory, 
all the boundaries that you have to put around and, and what is getting in the way for you not to do what you are supposed to be doing, which is the mind-numbing activities. I think you talking about buffers, that is like so important is to not sort of like overschedule yourself right to the minute and try to cram in everything in every single minute having something to do. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to, you know, just take five minutes to just breathe a little bit, if nothing else, and just helps you feel a little less scheduled and stressed, I would think. Yes, absolutely. For example, it, it comes to a time that you, I have a buffer day. Fridays are my buffer day. Those are the days that I need to catch up with everything that I that I was going to do Monday through Friday at to Thursday. And for some reason, <laughs> it didn't happen. Uh, and it, in creating that discipline, there are two very important things that I do. To creating that discipline, there are two things that I uh, encourage you to do and that I have been doing and I teach. And it's that in that wherever you do your planning for the week, have a spot to put what are you grateful for. If you don't have time to read, if you are telling me, Karen, I'm sorry, but work is not going to happen. Journaling for 20 minutes is not going to happen. <laughs> I jump and run. I'm sure that you have 30 seconds to write every single day, what are you grateful for? And I do my weekly planning on Friday and on my, uh, and I and purposefully, contrary to even my uh, mentor, Darren Hardy, I do my planning on Friday because it allows me to have the bandwidth and concentration to be present for my family over the weekend. So as soon as I am done on Friday at four, I write everything that I, where I, where I left <laughs> so that I, I don't have in my mind, oh, I had to do this. I had to do that. I didn't do this. I need to remember whatever I need to do on Monday because that takes away from the experience that I want to have with my kids. And then uh, being grateful and going back to center when things go south is a visual reminder of what what am i doing here and another visual reminder that i always have is that on fridays i write for next week this is the one thing that needs to get done and i have a blog on that uh on that resource that i that i have uh, for you to look at it. And I believe that these five areas, if we summarize everything that we talked about, all these five areas are essential pieces of any planning system. I have been approached and talked into having my own planner, and I am against it as of the recording of this episode, <laughs> because everybody's different. And there's that's why there are so many planners sold and non-open. <laughs> they end up being trash. And it's because you need to find uh, what works for you. And in, in my mission of helping uh, others, family-oriented people, uh, discover their perfect week flow, that's why I share uh, these practices, because this is the, the, the base 
for you to find what works for you and that you can operate and function so at a pace that works for you. Many people ask me now, oh, but look at you now. And I'm like, I am here and I could have been here in two years. But I took my time because I didn't want to delegate my kids. My goal while the kids were uh, little and I had my breakdown uh, and I decided to close my downtown office and come here was to make the amount of money that I was bringing home. And with all the billing that we have, when you deduct the daycare and laundry and <laughs> gas and all the things that made me go there, what, I, what was coming to this house was about $60,000 a year. And $60,000 a year, I knew I could do from my house. But it, it took also getting out of my ego. Yeah, I think sometimes we do. We're always at risk of being in our own way. And I think, you know, you've, you've talked about a lot of things. You've talked about, you know, finding strategy to um, raise your awareness to, you know, where your time is going, how you could use it better. And that's what the time audit I heard you talking about making sure that you build in some buffer time. And I was thinking just five, if you listen back to this recording, you're going to hear me say, you know, five minute buffer, 10 minute buffer. No, you said a whole day buffer, which I really took away. Um, I liked your tip around the parking lot, which we, I didn't really comment back on, but this idea that not everything has to be done right then in that moment in time or even that day or week, it could be something that you just park that idea for later. I really like that. It's a strategy we use in teaching when, you know, students raise their hand and they say, you know, can we, can I just get some clarification on something? And you say, yes, but we're going to get to that in a bit because we sometimes can again, lose focus, but applying the parking lot to, our ability to like manage our time, I thought was really genius. Um, a grateful list, like making sure that you're, you're identifying what you really, really, really want to be doing and how you want to be doing it. I heard you talk also about the one thing, right? What is that one thing that you must get done? That's non-negotiable, right? Um, I think that that was great. So, so much goodness here, um, Carol. I really appreciate that. If you had any thing left to say that you hoped in this interview you'd have the opportunity to share is there something else that you'd like to add you sum it up <laughs> but again it's i wish that i can tell you that do this one thing and it's everything is going to be perfect but to find your perfect week flow it is a journey within I do believe that it starts for you being aware and doing your inventory of time so that you know what is getting in the way. I think that's the most important uh, part of this conversation. And it is scary. It is scary. It oh, is yeah. not. And I, I, and I think that's why I am a different productivity uh, uh, consultant because I can, I, I, it will be very responsible. And I see it a lot. Oh, you have to do it. And one thing that I deleted from my vocabulary is that I have to, because we don't have to do anything. 
about what we what, what, what we want and if you want to dig deeper into that i have this uh the the spreadsheet that i talked about and the five steps and all that in a free resource that uh, you are going to have here with uh tracy but it's a matter of finding that uh balance between i am planning all this and i am doing and then the planning and doing and finding the the, the, the what works for you in the long term yeah, I really thought that that was freeing too. this idea that your system might look different than someone else's, but it works for you and that's, that's okay. And that's what we should be really embracing is, is what works for us. We, you know, you're sharing tips with us and that's human nature. We all want to share tips, but I think just knowing that we can pick and choose the recipe that works for us, I think is, is just really freeing. So you mentioned your freebie. Um, I know you have your podcast, Life Boss. Becoming Unstoppable. Life Boss Becoming Unstoppable. I encourage you to, if you're listening, I encourage you to download that. There's some like fantastic episodes there that I've started diving into and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Is there any other place that you'd like to direct our attention to, Karam? Uh, my website, uh, keremmieses.com. You'll find all the information there. Uh, and following you, girl, for <laughs> your magic on courses. It's been such an eye-opening experience as well. I love uh, this uh, like synergy that happened with the universe. Yes, yes. There's a there's an episode that we did together on Karam's podcast. So I encourage you to take a listen to that for all of you course creators or people that are aspiring course creators. That was a lot of fun to do. And, you know, you taught me some new things as well about workflow when it came to podcasts and simplifying things and, and things that I might you know, try at some point in my own workflow. So, I mean, we learn from each other, right? You are the productivity queen and I dare I call myself a course queen. I, I, I yes, probably you, could. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> own it. I love the IGTV that you did owning your title. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's a long time coming. You know, it's a business journey that I'm on and I'm so, so excited to kindly kind of feel like I've finally landed and it's not, you know, um, it's not new, but it certainly feels so much more grounded right now. Um, the work that I'm doing with my clients. So I'm excited about the future. And I'm excited to have lots of new people in my sphere of influence like you. So thank you very much for being here today. I look forward to maybe having you on again at some point in time. And we can talk more about this because this isn't a problem that goes away easily usually. It takes a few conversations, I think. But um, yeah, I look forward to that day, that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. If you like this episode, one of the best thank yous you can give me is to subscribe and leave me a review. Leaving a podcast review helps me get more reach and attract more listeners. And if you're ready to scale your course, I also have a free roadmap that you can download. This roadmap will give you access to my framework for scaling courses, what you need to do, what you need to consider, and even who you should include in the process. Check the show notes below. Thanks for listening.
Hello, hello, hello.